Welcome to The Brainstorm, a podcast and video series from ARK Invest. Tune in every week as we react to the latest in innovation and reflect on how short-term news impacts our long-term views. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. ARK Investment Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. ARK and Public are unaffiliated entities and do not have a relationship with respect to either firm marketing or selling the products or services of the other. And therefore, ARK disclaims responsibility for any loss that may be incurred by public's clients or customers. The information provided in this show is for informational purposes only and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision and is subject to change without notice. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by ARK and investors should determine for themselves whether a particular investment management service is suitable for their investment needs. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by ARC and or show guests and are not endorsements by ARC of any company or security or recommendations by ARC to buy, sell, or hold any security. Historical results are not indications of future results. Certain of the statements contained in the show may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. ARC assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking information. ARC and its clients, as well as its related persons, may, but do not necessarily, have financial interests in securities or issuers that are discussed. Certain information was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information obtained from any third party. Welcome to the Brainstorm episode 33. Today, we're just talking one thing, and that is Tesla. We'll recap post-earnings with Tasha Keeney. Tasha, what were the top takeaways for you? Why is there so much controversy after the report? Well, top takeaways for me are less related to the controversy. I'd, I'd say that, um, <clears throat> well, one, we heard Elon say that he plans to roll out FSD version 12 to all customers in uh, the U.S. that have requested access to FSD in the coming weeks. So right now it's... Um, it's, it's it's a very limited group of customers that got early access to this. And we saw videos of, of some of FSD 12 online. And what is FSD 12? Well, Tesla's full self-driving um, autonomous feature set that they sent over the air to customers planning to layer on functionality to eventually create an autonomous car. This is like the latest version of that feature set. Um, and the reason that this update is really important is because it is the end-to-end AI solution. So um, Elon keeps referring to it as you know nothing but nets. So it's it's basically um, the uh, previously, you know, there was still uh, portions of let's say like the repertoire that you need to create a fully autonomous car, the different pieces of the puzzle that were hard coded. Now it's it's mostly AI. So it's like the car doesn't it's not explicitly told, hey, this is a stop sign. I'm going to I'm going to show you exactly what a stop sign is. The car is, uh, you know, learning from video and image frames and then controls are uh, the, the controls. Like, in other words, how the car operates itself is actually controlled by AI. So it's like um, images in controls out. Um, so there's still, you know, I'd say like some hard coding in there, but I think he says something like over 99% is now controlled by AI. By AI. Um, 
So you'd expect that to have better results than the hard-coded version from everything that we've learned about AI. So I'd say that's pretty exciting. You know, definitely shows Tesla's confidence in this update, the fact that they think they can release it to, um, to all customers who've requested access soon. So I'm, I'm here for it. And what have you seen just from the capability from people posting? Right? Yeah. Obviously, it was kind of a three-way race. Cruise has burned out yes, with their accident and you know cover cover report. So relative to what you've seen with Waymo, um, how, how do you compare now? Yeah, well, actually, so there's a lot of videos coming out of San Francisco where, you know, a lot of the Tesla features tend to work really well. Um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, en engineers that live around there that are probably testing it. So uh, we're seeing full drives with no interventions. And what does no interventions mean? Well, you know, the person, there's still the wheel nag. In other words, the car, you're not allowed to just be totally hands-free. Um, and some people had disabled that, at, you know, and uploaded videos, but we're seeing videos where it's like, you see someone kind of touching the wheel every so often to, um, you know, suffice that wheel nag, but they're not importantly touching the pedals. They're not like moving the wheel um, to actually change the direction of the car. So the car is driving itself and the driver is just reminding the car, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here the whole time. Um, so I, I would still call those no intervention drives. And, uh, you know, previously we had, we had already seen that with, uh, with uh, versions of um, FSD 11, but this is handling more cases than 11 would, would handle. Um, so it's not perfect, right? Some of these people are still reporting, oh, I had to, you know, tap the accelerator on this one particular drive maybe like the four other drives that they took, they didn't have to do anything. So that tells us that you could, I mean, technically, like if they wanted to, they could launch a, a, a robo taxi service now, right? They would just need the regulatory approval to start charging for commercial service. Um, you know, they would need to probably do some kind of update that tells customers like, this is what you're agreeing to by not touching the wheel at all. And they might need some approvals there, but the car is showing that it's possible. So I think it's like, it's not a question of if it'll happen. It's a question of when. And when you compare it to Waymo, well, Waymo is doing full-blown commercial service. So it is a different animal right now. I mean, you can get an Aroma Waymo RoboTaxi in uh, Phoenix, um, in San Francisco, if you're allowed in through the, through the initial testers program, and then pretty soon in LA. Um, and, and that's, you know, no one's in the front seat at all, but it's limited operation areas. Also, importantly, Waymo doesn't have that many cars. I mean, Tesla has millions of cars on the road uh, where this could be capable. So, so that's like the Tesla scale promise, um, which you would expect means that they could roll out robo-taxi service in more cities uh, than competitors like Waymo. Um, but you'd also expect it to be more performant with that data scale. Nick, you have been a tester in the non-SF area, you know, more more in the, the St. Petersburg area with it. Do you still use it? I, I know you don't have FSD 12 here, but what's what's been your experience recently with the most recent updates? Yeah, I would say just having tested it uh, pretty recently, it's gotten a lot better. I think for me... It's not my driving style. So for shorter trips, 
like if I'm going just around the corner to the grocery store and you know, have to make a few lefts across, you know, uh, multiple lanes, for me, it's, you know, just easier to take take over and, and kind of navigate myself. On the highway, though, and I think I've mentioned that this on this show, I've I've driven the car from Florida all the way up to Michigan, Michigan to New York, New York back down to Florida, which is a pretty extensive trip. Um, and I would say the car handles probably 70 to 80% of the driving. So on the highway, I think it's a no brainer for me to just flip it on and, you know, it goes on city streets when it's a bit more congested for me personally, it's just easier to do it. Not that it can't do it. I've seen it do a lot of the stuff it previously wasn't capable of, but it's just for me, it feels more comfortable to, you know, take over and, and get there a little bit faster. Tasha, what about you in the city? Have you, do you, yeah. do you ever flip it on? Well, I would say, I would say, well, quickly, Nick. So, you know, Nick doesn't have FSD 12 yet. Hopefully you, you will get it very soon, but, right. um, you know, I, I, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts when you do get it, because one of the key updates here is that the card, well, one of the, you know, reported like feedback that pieces of feedback that we're getting from drivers is that the card does behave more like a human. And an important piece of that is, you know, right now yeah. when you use it, you set the speed manually that you're comfortable, like plus or minus the speed limit as a set number. And obviously, like in, in prior to FSD 12 versions, the car would be robotically followed that speed. I mean, like it slows down when there's like slow down signs and, um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't go full speed through uh, turns. It used to do that, but um, I think that smoothness it is what people are enjoying. So it's like an automatic speed set now where you don't have to do that. Um, so I'm excited to test yeah. that out. So I don't have FSD 12 now either. Um, yeah. And yeah, we, we use it in New York. Like I, I would say similar to Nick, like highway, it's a no brainer. Um, New York city streets. Uh, yeah. It's partly because we're like, most of the time we're, I'm using my car, I'm driving out of the city. Right. I'm not necessarily driving within the city that much, but um, we use it sometimes, not all the time. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of pedestrians. It's very congested, congested. So, uh, I think that speed setting I would actually love, um, because, you know, the average speed in New York city is like 10, 10 miles per hour. It's like 11 miles per hour. Um, so the speed limit plus or minus hard coded setting doesn't work that well in that scenario. Cause you don't want to speed up to 30 miles per hour when you're going across a street that has a lot of people near it. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And before we before we dive into other parts of the call, and obviously we're we'll do the modeling and come up with an official forecast. Uh, but just gut gut vibe right now, Tasha. Do you think that Robo Taxi launches in twenty twenty four? Do I think, yeah, I think it's possible that it would launch at some point this year. I mean, I'm not talking about everywhere all the time, but I think that is within the realm mm -hmm. of possibility. I'm like, I'm very confident that it'll launch within the next five years, which I, I think is kind of like the more relevant question if you're a long-term investor. Um, I think it's possible. And, and again, like that's what the videos show us. It's like, yeah, they can do it. You know, how limited do they want sort of this initial launch to be? 
Um, that's my mm-hmm. And I think that 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 long term investor I'll use to segue us to another part of the controversial and some of the I think reaction to the call was the short term guidance of saying that you know Tesla is in between two waves of growth. They had the Model 3 and the Model Y, Model Y best-selling car in 2023, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, They just launched the Cybertruck at the end of the year, but now there's this, you know, year and a half time before the launch and ramp of the next generation vehicle. And so they're saying, you know, growth is going to be down from where it was, but it still seems as though they will grow given uh, the capacity of the factories that they laid out. And so I think this is a, you know, to, to what you said, another example of this short term versus long term time horizon here. And at least from our perspective, you know, if you look at the, um, I'll, I'll draw it out here with my hands. If you have a a chart here and on the X axis, you have vehicle price on the Y axis, you've got addressable market. It's a pretty clear curve that as you go down in upfront cost of the vehicle, you dramatically increase the size of the addressable market. And so far, Tesla's really just been playing in this $45,000 plus range. Um, And you have the impact of rising interest rates. Nick, you brought this up. I don't know, a few months ago where I think everyone was reacting to the Tesla price cuts and you said, hey, we should check out what that actually looks like on a monthly basis if you're financing your car. And it turns out that essentially all of Tesla's price cuts have just made it so that to the end consumer, your monthly payment stays the same. So there's that impact as well. Um, Some other things that we're looking at as well are just the macro environment in China and Europe and potential short-term slowdowns there. Sam, before you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you move away, just hearing you talk about the next gen vehicle platform, I want to ask both of you a question. What exactly does Elon mean when he says that? Is this more of innovation on the manufacturing side or this car is going to look completely different maybe it you know it doesn't have a steering wheel the the seats are facing each other like i i'm trying to understand just from not having followed it as close closely as both of you what exactly that means sure so it's or an we innovation it yeah yeah they yeah. they showed <laughs> the process or they showed a kind of breakdown of the process at their investor day so if anyone is interested one, keep watching till the end of this video and then go watch that video. Uh, but it's a, it's building the car in parallel, I would say, as opposed to in series. And so you can have various parts of the car being worked on, painted, put together before it's all assembled and then painted at the end. And so this, in theory, should allow for a far more robust process Uh, And it can, in theory, happen a lot quicker. As far as what does the vehicle look like, you know, there have been some images out there with Franz and a cyberish looking vehicle. But really, this is a manufacturing advancement on a new vehicle platform. And so it does sound like for this, there will be uh, probably a, a handful of different iterations. 
one of which likely has no steering wheel for the robo taxi and another one probably does have normal parts um and probably just a compact vehicle there you know we've we've been talking about it as well and for a robo taxi you know two seats could make sense just looking at the number of people who are in a taxi at any given time versus for a consumer you know very few people buy cars that have just two seats. Yeah, and I, I'd say, you know, to sum it up, Go what ahead. is it? It's a $25,000 car, right? So it's much cheaper than any other, you know, Tesla that has previously been available to purchase. Um, and Sam mentioned it, it looks like it's going to come in a couple different flavors, but importantly, the RoboTaxi would be built on this platform. Um, and so it's important for them Got to, it. you know, the fact that, the fact that uh, you know, production um, growth for Tesla could be affected by this. I mean, it's, it's, as Sam said, it's, it's like a key milestone for Tesla to do this at this point in time. I mean, Model Y is the best-selling car, um, globally, and it's also, you know, a lot more expensive than other best-selling cars, right? So like they're already one, like they've already had amazing performance with their current lineup, but like, what is the next phase of growth? And this is so important for that next phase of growth. And I think this is a wave pattern that we've actually seen before, right? When we had battery prices increasing due to uh, supply shock and different constraints there, right? Battery prices increased for the first time globally on average. And everyone said, yep, see, this is the end, right? Battery costs can only go down so far. And then you look this year, battery costs are back on trend with what Wright's Law would suggest, uh, well below $100 per kilowatt hour and likely to continue down. I think the same thing is true with vehicle production and Tesla's execution, right? People say, oh, see, this is the, this is the end. It's a pause, right? There is no demand, right? Despite, despite Model Y being the best-selling vehicle in the world in a difficult interest rate environment for, you know, people having to finance the car and, and pay that elevated price. And so I think Tesla has demonstrated its ability to execute and continue to innovate on the manufacturing front. And so the, if you're a long-term investor, I think you believe that this is the pause between two big waves. And, and I would say like, if Makes you're sense. so focused on that growth figure, you're totally ignoring robo taxis because if you, if you truly believe that robo taxi was as big of an opportunity as we think it is. So we think it'll be, you know, more, more than 50% of the, the enterprise value responsible for more than 50% of the enterprise value at Tesla within the next five years. Um, if you, if you actually believed and understood that opportunity, you would only be asking about that. You wouldn't be asking what, what, what are, you know, how are you going to um, compare to this like longer term 50% target that you set in terms of, cars. You, you just be asking, when are you going to launch? When are you going to launch? Um, and so I, I, th I think that's right. another important thing to consider. Right. And that should change the earnings profile too. Right. Uh, and then the crossover, Tasha, between autonomous and manufacturing. The other, other piece of the call Optimus. was Optimus. Optimus. Um, and so, you know, they, it sounds like they will deploy some of those in the coming year. We've seen pretty dramatic improvement with Optimus just over the past year. Uh, you know, in the in last year's 
Tesla valuation. This was not something that was included. Uh, but I'd say just over the past year, a lot has changed and a lot has developed. So that's uh, likely something that that you and I are going to have to examine a bit more and, and see what that opportunity is. You know, you have Musk kind of going from the very high level saying, if you look at the economy, you've got uh, labor as one of the main constraints. And if you are no longer constrained with labor, then what does an economy truly mean? I think we're probably a little bit uh, a ways away from that, but obviously that's a <laughs> changing the whole structure of what an economy is, is a, is a big opportunity. Have you been surprised with the speed at which Optimus has, uh, you know, performed and, and improved its performance? I think in the videos I've seen, the one thing that's been standing out is just the finger dexterity. Like the hands look almost human-like. I mean, obviously it's still very much a robot hand, but the way that it moves feels and looks very human-like. Anything that stands out for you? I would say the same thing, right? That was incredible. And even just six-ish months ago, you know, the main thing that robot assists were talking about is, okay, there's not really the supply chain for these actuators and, and everything needs to be vertically integrated and you got to make it yourself. And then you've had money flow into the space and you have Tesla, who's, you know, the behemoth and expert manufacturer. And it seems like, you know, they've blown right through the hardware constraints. And so we're back up against software constraints. Uh, I think that's happened way faster than we thought. And then just the development with AI and robotics is, is constantly surprising us, I would say. Uh, but I agree. I was surprised that the hands look so good and that the walking still seems like it's lagging behind. Like it seemed mm -hmm. like there's a big gap between those two. Yeah. I'd, I'd say like, Tasha, what about you? Probably, probably like, yes, it's surprising. And also I'm surprised by like a, a lot of other robotics videos that I'm seeing, but it's because, you know, it's like this, this has been like last year was the year of AI, right? Like things are happening overnight now. So like, I think we will continue to be surprised because it's just so hard to predict like what that next overnight success looks like. Um, but, you know, since sort of, you know, ChatGPT, all these like open source and closed models that we see coming out, like the capability is just, yeah, I, I don't think that we're going to be able to predict progress, but I mean, I mean, Tesla should be a leader here because, you know, they, they went through, you could argue like they went through agony with a car, just getting it to drive itself and many iterations and model changes and architecture changes um, to even just this FSD 12 update, like this end to end AI system, they should be able to port that learning to the robot. So the robot's going to use the tra same training system, same hardware that they've developed for the vehicle. And they should be experts in, um, robots that move through physical space and you need new training data, right? You need, you need to train. It's not, this robot's not driving. Um, it's, it's doing, you know, first doing things in the factory. Um, although they've shown some like home tasks as well, potentially. Um, but, but I, I think that that I'm a buyer. Of, I, you are. Yeah. What well, at what price would you buy it? I, I'm a, well, once I saw, well, once I saw the, uh, the, the home tasks, the laundry. I was like, yeah, please. 
I would, I would please, please put this on, on the market. <clears throat> I don't know what price point would tr- truly scare me away. Um, I mean, I think like anything over, if they could get it to around, I think $20,000 would be my, my top, top line. That, that seems and then, for what it could do potentially. I'm just imagining it doing everything, but if it could do dishes, laundry, take out the trash, you know, your, your Sunday chores, vacuum, everything like that. I think it's worth it over. I don't know how long it would last four or five years, maybe more. That seems well worth it. How are you, Um, I guess, how would you plan to model this? Because I guess what would be the cost of, you know, having someone come to your house, even I don't have landscaping or anything like that, but in theory, right. It can do all of that. So there's like home improvement costs and daily tasks that you can add up to figure out what a consumer would be willing to pay. And, and same thing on the company side, right? You can do the all in cost of, you know, someone who works in a manufacturing environment or a warehouse, and it's not just over one year, it's over 10 years. And, you know, you're paying that person for one shift, but the robot can probably work two or three, two and a half to three shifts. Um, and so the price that companies are going to be willing to pay is going to be extremely high in theory, depending on the capability of the robot. Um, Nick, one other thing before we wrap, and I'll just hint to it because there's the dojo side of the conversation as well, which we, which we didn't really dive into. And, you know, just the fact that it seems like same thing with everything that Tesla does. They try and push the envelope if there's a constraint, but they still rely on suppliers and they don't want to be bottlenecked anywhere. So continuing to rely and invest in NVIDIA's chips as well to build out that, um, infrastructure side of things. And I think the other wrap up for me is, you know, you have Tesla who's trying to move as fast as possible, continuing to invest in this, you know, period between two waves of growth. And you just compare that to traditional automakers who have kind of stepped off the gas. Some even started to apply some brakes on these uh, initiatives. And I think the outcome and end result for those who are stepping off the gas or, or even slowing down uh, by, by stepping on the brakes, if you will, uh, I don't think it's going to end very well for those players as EV growth and, to Tasha's point, autonomous continue to take off. Right. So traditional automakers are scaling back their electric vehicle plans. And then for autonomy plans, it's like, forget it. It was General Motors. They had crews. That's really essentially no longer operational. I guess they're still operating abroad somewhat. But, you know, I kind of question what the future is there, considering what we've seen happen in the U.S. And and then and then to so that's like, OK, so we're talking EVs, AVs for autonomy. And then you mentioned Dojo. And yeah, Tesla was more cautious on Dojo. They are clearly re, re, they continue to be reliant on NVIDIA, at least for the short term. But. Uh, you know, we knew that they were training constrained, um, so they needed they needed this um, AI hardware to allow them to um, scale uh, what they're training their autonomous cars with, essentially. 
Um, and so that's, that was an important bottleneck for solving for real autonomy. So hearing that they're, you know, continued, continuing to invest in this, whether or not it be like an internal or external like software that they're relying on, or sorry, supplier, not software, um, that they're relying on, uh, that, that's really important for autonomy. Um, and it's another thing that you, if you look at traditional automakers, it's like, what have they done? It's nowhere close, right? Tesla is rivaling, you know, tech companies um, with the compute hardware that it's purchasing. Uh, no other automaker is, is doing this. So it's really like those three fronts that, you know, Tesla continues to just push, push the envelope and, and be the leader across, across all of these efforts. Um, so I'm, I'm really worried yeah. about the rest of the Tasha, one, one tangential piece of news from last week uh, that I was surprised got headlines because I thought it was already buried was the Apple vehicle and them saying, you know, it's going to be level two plus autonomy and it'll come out in, was it 2026? Do you, do you think the Apple car ever sees the light of day, Tasha? No, I've been saying this for a long time. I think Apple was nowhere on autonomy. I don't think it'll see the light of day. I think they're good at building consumer UI. It's disappointing that they they don't have a more developed auto effort, but I think they're just too late now. They're too late to the party. Maybe they can do something on entertainment, but I don't know. Maybe Nick would say otherwise, considering what's happening with like the App Store and uh, you know the rake that they continue to take. I'll be honest, I've just been thinking through all the things I could get Optimus to use. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where my mind has been for the last like few minutes. So, but I, I think, yeah, Apple, I mean, even with the Vision Pro, I think they're starting to step out of the realm in which, uh, you know, they've had success. Uh, and I've, I've seen the comments on YouTube saying, give it up. The Vision Pro is a success. I think the, the jury is still out on that. I think we're going to see. Uh, here's my short-term, mid-term prediction for the Vision Pro. We're going to see a lot of reviews over the next few days to weeks as people start to play around with this. They're going to be overwhelmingly positive, as most VR reviews tend to be in the early days. Um, and then these devices will find themselves locked up and you know, in someone's cupboard within a few weeks. And, you know, that will be that for the Vision Pro until they announce a cheaper version in the future. Um, and so I think, you know, I would be very surprised if this is the device that reaches the mass market and it doesn't come from a company like Meta. I think if you line up the Quest first, the Vision Pro, there's very clear, um, you know, competitive advantages and the Quest lineup versus the Vision Pro. But we'll see. Apple is uh, amazing when it comes to marketing, and I've started to see the first uh, ads for it. I think I, I saw a few during yesterday's uh, NFL games. So, you know, they have a way of, of wooing the consumer. But I'm, have I'm your still meta sunglasses Have your Meta sunglasses gotten LLM capability? Not yet, but I am very hopeful that will be soon. I would say even without the LLM capability, just the change in, in, in how I approach filming on like a day-to-day -day basis or wanting to capture video, I think first to my meta glasses actually over my phone, if I have both on me. I think the, the, to look back and see from my point of view, 
what you know was happening versus you know holding the phone and taking yourself out of the experience i think that's a pretty neat you know subtlety that is not being talked about enough that's right everyone go uh watch nick's uh pickleball from his point of view see see everything on his other channel well i mean i have i have a lot of life moments now <laughs> captured on these on these classes i have my wedding i have a proposal within the family i have the michigan national football championship celebration and game captured so it's it's been with me for some pretty important moments and in all of those moments the phone was away and the glasses were out and i think that will start to become more and more obvious as the glasses gain more functionality. How you know ubiquitous mm. this form factor could be, coupled with other AI hardware. You're you you two are focused on the Tesla uh, model update. The web team we're focused on a AI hardware uh, blog potential white paper, kind of diving deep into what this space could be and how consumer hardware could change. Um, so exciting things ahead. Believe it. That'd there. be good. Instead of at at the concert, everyone with their phone up, everyone can put their phone away now. Everyone just right. wearing the glasses. You can live in the moment and still capture it. You can, you can yeah. live in the moment should be the and just never see anyone's eyes. And then, right. and then it's like it's almost like you make everyone else live in your moment if you're then talking to an LLM and with the glasses on, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen once you have like a digital assistant living in your, you know, hardware and with you at all times. And you're essentially then at that point wearing a wire. If you think about mm -hmm. it, if they're capturing video and audio. Um, so there's obviously a privacy gap we need to, to clear as consumers with these companies. Apple seems to be best suited given how much they focused on privacy. But I think, you know, once you get to that point in time, how does the services industry change from a you know consumer's perspective? Um, how does entertainment change? You know, it, there's so much that is going to be different as LLMs are more a part of our lives. I think it's you know just an, a fun research project and has you know extremely uh, large opportunities if you if you think about how much it will change. So we'll see. Great. Yeah. All right. Tasha, thank you for joining us and we'll see everyone next week. Yeah. That's our show. See, see you guys.